You are listening. You are listening. You are listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. The business has brought actually a lot. It has allowed me to be really creative. I've always kind of looked for what can I bring to the market that maybe somebody hasn't yet. Um, what can I provide? How can I better help people? When I started the company, my motto was quality made affordable. I'm never going to get rich at this business. Never. It's not going to happen. I did this to promote the sport. We're very big on getting youth into the sport because, hey, if they're spending money on fishing rods and flies and materials, they're not going to have a whole lot of money to get themselves into trouble with. So we are very much, we do promote um, a lot with youth. We did actually start a um, a junior pro staff too. We're, we're taking young people and we're mentoring them with one of our senior pro staff. And they learn from them to, to uh, better their flies and how to tie better, develop good habits. Because once we tie more with no instruction and just off of YouTube and stuff like that, I know for a fact, just for myself, I developed some really bad habits and it was hard to stop. So I would rather get young people and get them taught properly good habits and watch them progress faster than it would take if they didn't have anybody to help. So the dubbing actually was, that's my creative outlet. We actually started a, a product called Leech Dubbing and it took me a year to finally get the recipe right, get the materials right, find the right stuff, uh, find the right ratio and yeah we finally come up with what I call leech dubbing and it's a longer dubbing than most it's an inch and a half and it's got a little bit of sparkle in it, not much little shine to it and we've been having massive success with this we're shipping this all over the world and actually we're going to be distributing it um, we have two distributors lined up one for UK Europe and one for the United States Welcome to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast, featuring interviews with passionate people within the fly fishing industry. We focus on guides, conservation, resort managers, gear, and talented fly tires bringing usable information to fly fishers. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by The Fly Crate. Theflycrate.com is your source for all things fly fishing. The Fly Crate offers a monthly fly club. We select patterns every month for your home waters. With membership, you'll receive flies created to match the hatch in your area, along with the Fly Crate's guide magazine, the convenience of having flies delivered right to your door, some sweet stickers. Discover new patterns and start stocking your fly boxes now. Theflycrate.com Here's your host, Mark Hopley. Welcome to this edition of the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. We are going to head to northern British Columbia today. We've got Susan Smith on the line. Now, Susan is with Chinook Wind Outfitters out of Chetwin, British Columbia. Susan, thanks for coming on the program tonight. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's a real pleasure. Yeah, well, you know what? I'm stoked to find out about the fishing in your area because I know you've got some some pretty exceptional grayling and trout fishing in your neck of the woods. We'll get to that. We'll get to your to your online fly shop, Chinook Wind Outfitters. I always like to start off and kind of take it back to your roots, Susan. So think back to when you first came to discover fly fishing. Walk us through that journey. How, how did you come to find it? Well, it's actually because of my husband. I spin cast and bait cast for years. Actually, I was a gear hound 
And uh, yeah, I met my husband and we started going fishing and he had his fly rod. He actually had a TFO that he's had for years. And uh, I had my just trusty old spin cast. And he said, I'll tell you what, let's have a little contest. He said, I'll fish and you fish. I'll give you a head start and we'll see how we do. So we did. So I caught, I think, two and lost one, and he caught 18 in the same amount of time, actually shorter amount of time. And I said, that's it. I'm done. Teach me to fly fish. And it just started from there. <laughs> that's awesome. So tell us a little bit about the fishing in your backyard. So, I, I mean, I know you're fairly far north, so I would imagine you've got some pretty special uh, cool water fishing up there. We do. Actually, the piece is really uh, a, a wonderful place to be. We're very fortunate. We have a world-class bull trout fishery in this area, and our grayling is just amazing. So uh, rainbow trout here as well depends where you go. There's pike, there's walleye, there's uh, lake trout. Uh, the rivers here are amazing, and we've got some great stillwater lakes. So it doesn't. you don't have to go too far to have some world-class fishing in this area, actually. Yeah, makes sense. So you ready for a few rapid fire questions that it may or may not have anything to do with fishing, but want to kind of get to know you a little bit about uh, your neck of the woods, what you're about. You ready for this? Sure. You bet. All right. So we'll say you're in the truck and you got to drive a little bit um, to get to your, your moving water, your still water, wherever you're heading. What are you listening to music wise on the way? Actually, I'm not really listening to anything. I'm too busy looking for wildlife. That's one of my and my husband's favorite things is to uh, spot the bears and the moose, caribou, all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, we're usually just sightseeing and, and looking for wildlife. One go-to fly pattern that you can't live without. So if you're on your favorite stretch of water, if you looked in that fly box more often than not, what are you tying on? Griffith's nap. Ah, that's a good all-rounder. Yes, it is. Yeah. Do you do a lot of tying yourself? I do. That's how I actually started in. I was uh, I taught myself to tie, and then I became a commercial tire. Right on. Favorite place to talk fly fishing. So is there a fly shop, a coffee shop in Chetwin or surrounding area, somewhere you go to get your fix when you're not in the waiters? Just at my own store, actually, believe it or not. Um, yeah, we we work a lot out of the business. It's not just a regular nine to five. I'm in that in my shop usually seven days a week and in up to 12, 14 hours a day at times, depending on how busy it is. And that is probably where, yeah, all my my talk is usually done about fly fishing is in that store. Biggest lesson kind of takeaway that you've, had or, or learned in your fly fishing journey thus far? What If you had to kind of distill it down to a single takeaway, could you do that for us? Slow your cast. <laughs> yeah, kind of wait for it, right? Exactly. Yeah, I was uh, I was out on a lake the other day with a buddy and I was trying to tell him that. It's like, just, just you just kind of just wait. You feel it more than, than anything else, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, the one thing, and I'll give this credit to Barry White, who was one of the original guys on the Old Man River around uh, Calgary, as I was at a fly fishing show in Edmonton, and Barry was there. And, of course, Barry's very well known in that area. And I said, Barry, 
I'm having a little trouble. This was a few years ago with my cast. What would you say is the best thing? And it basically boiled down to the same thing about slow your cast. So he said, bring your rod up. And he says, say to yourself in your head, I love redheads. And then bring your rod down. And it helped me slow my cast. And that was probably the, yeah, the best piece of advice I've had. <laughs> I love redheads. Is that, is yep. that I said, I love blondes, but he said, no, <laughs> it's redheads. Apparently it's a little longer word than blondes. So <laughs> yeah, but that was from Barry White. Great guy. Fill in the blank for me, Susan. When I'm not fly fishing, I'm usually doing what? Fly tying. Right. Best job you've ever had. Are you doing it right now or is it something you've done in the past? Oh, no, it's definitely this. Oh, I'm very thankful for this business. It's been fantastic. I've worked for years putting money into other people's pockets and I've had enough. So now I'm working for myself and yeah, this is definitely my dream job. Walk us through your normal day, you know, running Chinook Wind Outfitters. Um, maybe take us back a little bit. Tell us why, first off, why did you start the store? Did you see a gap in the market? Maybe something just to follow some passion? Walk us through that journey a bit. It was all because of fly fishing, actually. Uh, when my husband taught me how to fly fish, uh, I found the patterns very interesting. And I've always been good with my hands. I'm kind of artsy-fartsy. And I'm looking at these and I, I thought, you know, this can't be that hard. Why am I paying money to do these. This really can't be that hard to make. Well, uh, I was wrong. <laughs> it took a while to learn, um, but I did. And just, yeah, watched a lot of YouTube, uh, followed a, a, you know, a few guys on there that I liked. And um, yeah, then it just went to, to commercial tying. And then from there it started, uh, I started ordering from different companies and I got thinking, you why should I keep ordering from different companies? Why can't I do this myself? And there is nothing up here. There is nothing. The closest thing we have is um, in Fort St. John, or the other way is into Prince George. That's the closest thing we have. And they're not dedicated fly shops. They're, they're more sports places. Mm -hmm. So I thought, well, why not? But we are such a tiny town. I mean, Chetwin only has 3,100 people so it's very tiny in the fly fishing community here there's not many of us we're a very i would i wouldn't say exclusive group but we're definitely not a big group and so i thought well i mean i i know i'm not going to get enough business from just the few guys that are here so let's start an e-commerce site so i did hmm. you know it's funny I, I chatted with somebody the other day that's in a town of like 150,000 people and they don't have a fly shop it always boggles my mind like there's at some point there's got to be enough people to support a small business. Yeah. Well, the, the biggest problem I think what really happened to a lot of people was when wholesale sports came in. Um, UFA started wholesale sports and really put a lot of mom and pop stores out of business. Now, when UFA decided to close wholesale sports, um, that kind of opened the door for people to come back in but by this time a lot of the mama pops were closed and they never did come back right so there is a lot of places that still do not have a dedicated shop and if they do have a shop lots of times it's simply a, a sports store uh you know they're selling bicycles and soccer equipment and, and hockey sticks and the fly tank stuff's kind of stuck on the corner and that uh, i can totally relate yeah. to that because that's kind of where i <laughs> That's where I kind of learned my passion for fly fishing was a, a, 
a hunting, fishing, hockey shop of all things. But what, what happened to, to that shop was basically Walmart came to town and it was like, you know what, you can go to your wholesaler and spend more money on a lure than you would if you walked right into the retail shop and and bought it and resold it. It was quite depressing actually. Mm -hmm. But that's a pretty familiar story. And it's funny how cyclical things are. Do you you think that things are coming back a little bit? Do you think it's going more kind of to the old school? Oh, certainly. We are definitely seeing a lot of more young people Uh, where we are. uh, There's definitely some young people coming in. Uh, we try to keep in touch with the young people and you know make sure that they have what they need. But there's not a whole lot here. Mm-hmm. But with that being said, as far as my online customers go, I'm seeing definitely a lot of 30 and unders. Um, and even the guys that are coming through, of course, we have a lot of pipeline work in this area, mining, forestry. Uh, we have a windmill farm in a few areas. So some of the guys that are coming through to work on these projects, uh, they'll stop here. And yeah, I've, I'm finding a lot of these guys are millennial age, like they're 30 and under, and this is the new rage. You know, let's get back to the country. Let's learn how to bake bread. Uh, let's learn how to hunt. Let's bushcraft, all this kind of ideas. And yeah, fly fishing is right in there. They want to be more self-sufficient. I think too, that's part of what COVID's kind of, that's one of the lessons that I've kind of taken away from it is how important the outdoors is to people. And, and people are you're looking for a reason to get out of the house and not necessarily be around, you know, a thousand people. You're looking to kind of, um, find some space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, uh, the, yeah, you're bang on. I hope it does come full circle. It seems like, it seems like it is. Well, you were mentioning a few influences as far as fly tying. I'd be curious, um, Susan, if you could kind of throw a few names at us, like who, who have you really been inspired by their tying? And I know you've got a lot of, um, you know, uh, pro staff tires uh, in your roster. But as far as uh, your learning curve, who would you look to? Davey McPhail was first. Oh, yeah. And is probably still right at their top. The man is amazing. Um, yeah. There is nobody like Davey McPhail. You know, he could sit there and tie a simple Griffiths knot and then go into a, you know, a full-blown classic spate in just a matter of seconds. And both of them are perfect. Like, the man's an amazing tire. So Davey was my first influence. Um, and then, of course, we've had the other ones, um, Brian Chan, Phil Rowley. Uh, there are some new guys out there, too, aside from my pro staff, who I do love looking at their flies. They provide me with a lot of uh, inspiration. But uh, Jeff Enright is another guy. Um, Jerry, uh, Jerry French, mm-hmm. even though I don't tie a lot of spay, Jerry French is definitely one of my influences. Ed Ward. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's there's quite a few. Phil, I mean, what everybody knows who Phil Rowley and Brian Chan are. They know that's two again big giants in the industry. Yeah, hundred percent. Some amazing patterns and just wealth of knowledge. Both those gentlemen for sure. Yeah, and super nice. I mean, all of them are just they're really nice people, right? And that's what I like. This is such a small community. Fly tying is a very fly tying. Fly fishing is a very tiny community. Um, you hang around there long enough, you'll get to know everybody. And it's funny how so many of these guys, they've got these great big names, like Jerry French, Kate Watson, that's another one that's that was huge. Um, and yeah, they're just really nice people. You know, it's just, you're, you, you sit there and you think you're going to talk to this, you know, big famous person and 
and oh you know they might be a little bit standoffish no they're not they're actually some of the nicest people you're ever going to meet well I, I tell you i learned that firsthand with this podcast i mean it's amazing to me how you just reach out to somebody and it's, it's like you're talking to an old friend yeah i agree yeah and they've got time you know if you've got a question they're most of them they're really happy to sit down and talk with you and if you've got uh, something that you're having troubles with and on your tying bench oh yeah well tell me what it is oh yeah try this and this and this and oh have you tried that and just super nice people fly tying fly fishing has got just amazing people in it and we're it's a really great sport yeah, 100%. We're chatting today with Susan Smith. Now, Susan is with Chinook Wind Outfitters, an online fly tying, fly fishing store uh, based in northern British Columbia. Walk us through your store. Like, uh, What kind of things? I know you've got books. You've got all kinds of tying things. Walk us kind of through uh, some of the main products that you, that you sell. Well, we try to focus on things that are hard to find and really good quality. Um, we're one of the few that actually has vineyards from England, England, uh, they have great stuff. I love their stuff. They have really good stuff. Another one that I was really fortunate to get. And so far we're the only ones in North America to have it is Chevron Hackles. And that's from Christina over in England. The woman is amazing. If you ever get the chance to look up Chevron Hackles products, hmm. It is unreal. I've never seen anybody that can die like this woman. She dies fezabu, and when she's done with it, it's not flat. It's not matte. It's still iridescent. It looks like it's still on the chicken. Like, it is just amazing. Hmm. So when we picked up Chevron Hackles, and so far we're exclusive um, to, uh, to having her in North America, that I was just ecstatic, absolutely ecstatic. The woman's a genius. So, yeah, her fezaboo, her pheasant shoulders. We got a lot of product from her, and there's more coming. Um, some other guys that I'm really excited to work with, too, is Aquaflies, Doug Brutico. They've got some amazing products. They have probably the best intruder eyes on the market. Right. Um, yeah, Doug's awesome. Anybody that swings steelhead salmon, you should definitely be looking at the products that him and Jerry French put out. They are really, really top quality. You sell, I know, Susan, you've got all kinds of fly tying gear. Are you selling vices as well? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We will sell everything from regals to griffins to, uh, I've got some stone foes in right now. Stone foes, amazing. Those Italians, I tell you, those boys are smart. I've got the stone foe transformer sitting here, and I tell you, that is probably one of the most well thought out vices i think out there i don't know i'll have to check it out amazing vice and they've got really great tools too yeah. i got some of their tools and it's just very very smart ideas i got a stone foe bobbin in my hand right now that um the price point was amazing and and it's a great it's a great bobbin mm-hmm yeah it's the same as their uh they got the little roto dubbing tool and their pinza elite Hackle pliers have been, yeah, they're just really smart stuff. Very smart products. Let's talk about threads. What do you like? I always like to ask somebody that spends a lot of time tying because it's, it's amazing to me how important the thread is. Thread is not thread. You know, you got, what do you like to use? UTC and TechStream. Yeah. Okay. I have not used TechStream. Um, tell us about it. Uh, TechStream. Well, that's another, uh, company actually we're going to be bringing in the very near future we do have some other stuff now uh, we have their brill which is amazing um think of uh like a straggle string uh 
Um, and they do have a few different products. They have a round thread, which is perfect if you want to do a dubbing loop. It's easily split. You can just put your dubbing right inside. You don't have to make a loop. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, they got their flat thread. Again, amazing colors too. That's what I really like about them is they have some really unusual colors. What is it uh, about UTC that you like so much? Flat. I like it because it goes flat. So you could set their entire chronomet or anything. You want to have a really nice, smooth body, UTC will do it for you. Hmm. If you're sitting at your vice and you're tying up some patterns, say, for tomorrow, um, and granted, we're in the middle of summer here, and I don't know what it's like up there, but we got a bit of a heat wave going on down south for sure. What, what, um, what are you tying? Well, actually, I was just tying today. I was tying... Um, a lot of English patterns, actually, believe it or not. I, I'm just fascinated with the English and uh, UK patterns. I do tie a lot of Griffiths knots, uh, red tags. Uh, I was just tying up what's called a priest today, to, just to target the grilling with. Hmm. Um, Polywing midges, we get a lot of midges. Uh, mayflies is another one. Uh, yeah, stuff like that. It always amazes me. Sorry, I was going to say it always amazes me how far advanced some of the European stuff is to where we're at. Because I remember picking up a Bob Church's uh, fly tying book. This has got to be in the late 80s, early 90s. And there were patterns in there that I'm now starting to see are everywhere. And I'm like, why was I not tying those 30 years ago? Mm hmm. Exactly. Well, and another one that actually works amazing up here too was the Spanish uh, competition flies. Uh, the the team that they, one of the flies that the Spanish competition team did mm -hmm. was the Pertagon. Yep. And the Pertagon works amazing here. Uh, I, even Phil Rowley's tying the Pertagon and has great luck with it. the Pertagon is a, is fantastic. The Cruncher is another wonderful fly. You do a lot of high stick nymphing or like Euro nymphing. What what do you? How are you fishing uh, like a fly like the Pertagon? Believe it or not, I'm a very basic fisherman. Um, I don't get out that much. I tend to work more than I fish by a long shot. I don't get out much. Most of my fishing, I'd say probably 90% of it, is actually dry fly. Mm -hmm. Very, very little uh, fancy stuff. Or I don't do any European nymphing, anything like that. You know, it's funny. I was on a high elevation lake in my neck of the woods yesterday, and there were big, Big caddis, big sedge, traveling sedge just coming off at like, uh, you know, 5,500 feet. And those things, there's nothing better than throwing a dry fly to a ring. Mm hmm Yeah, the Griffiths knot, I tell you, well, that was the first fly I ever tied that I caught a fish on too. So that one's always probably going to be a special fly for me. But the Griffiths knot, nine times out of ten, can get the job done for what I want. Now, I haven't tied a Griffiths knot in a very, very long time. But refresh my memory. Isn't that peacock hurl and grizzly hackle and, or something? Yep. It just wound up, just palmered up. It's just as simple as simple can get. It doesn't look like anything fancy, and it isn't. It's as simple as simple get. Uh, it's one of the flies I actually teach in classes up here, too, because it is so simple, but it's just so effective. What size up is here, Oh, anything from... Um, well, I'll tie anything from a size 12 down to a size 18 on those. Let's talk about your your hooks that you carry in, in your shop. Because I, I hooked, I mean, it's probably, if not the most important thing you're going to buy when you tie a fly. It's pretty darn close. Um, 
you know, it's the starting point for everything and it's, it's, it's all about matching that hatch. What, what do you like to use for hooks or what do you carry in your shop? Well, there's two actually that have really impressed me. Um, one is fairly new and it's Kona. Now the Flyman company, Martin Bodden, he owns Kona hooks and I brought those out this year. As soon as he brought them out, I did an order right away. And am I ever impressed? Holy crow. Hmm. Those are really, really good competition style hooks. So those have impressed me to no end. And if you're swinging steelhead, well, again, you got to go with Aquaflies. You can't go wrong with Aquaflies. Um, they've got a great Aquatellan hook for a swing hook. Uh, partridge is another one, of course, that I carry. I love the Partridge hooks. And <clears throat> must add, Daiichi. Yeah, that's my main ones. Yeah. Well, you, you got the bases covered there for sure. That must add was, I mean, that's, when I first started, that's pretty much all there was. I mean, must, yeah. must add forever. And I still have boxes of must add hooks. But I'm sure they've yeah. probably changed their, uh, you know, some of the newer hooks now, whether you're dealing with barbless or, or maybe like a, a black hook versus a, and I, I know nothing about hooks other than what I like to tie on, but is there something specific that you look for when you purchase a hook? Like walk us through that. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would definitely say so. The, the style of the hook, of course, for me is super important and the strength. Um, I don't ever fish on a fine wire. I, I'm always looking for a good stout hook, mm. especially if you're fishing for bull trout up here, because bull trout, if you don't do a strip set on a bull trout, you very likely are going to lose it because they have a very hard mouth on top. So when you do the usual little jerk with your rod, lots of times guys are saying, oh, well, I'm losing it, so i got to get a bigger hook. No, it's just because they have a hard mouth. So if you strip set it, then you're good. Uh, so I'm always looking for a hook that's going to hold up to that kind of conditions. That makes sense. I know a lot of those fine wire hooks, they just, I mean, you can bend them just by tying them on or just, just tying them on the vice even sometimes. Yes. And, I, you know, bull trout is something that really piques my interest. I've only ever got into one that was on the Elk River, and I still dream about that darn fish. <laughs> what, I, what, what is so special about chasing those bull trout? They're just a really fun fish to go for. They do a lot of fighting. Um, they're not just, you know, something you just reel in like a log by any means. Uh, they're very fun fish, are very aggressive. Um, and a lot of guys, I'm finding when they're new to fly tying, that's one of the first things when they come up to this area, they want to go for bull trout. And they want to buy these great big diesel-y massive 6, 8, 12-inch uh, basically pike flies, they can bigger fly, bigger fish. And it's not um, most of the fishing, well, presentation is everything, let's put it that way. Uh, I've caught numerous uh, bull trout on just a simple bloodworm with a marabou tail. Mm. It's just, it's all presentation. And fish your feet. That's the big thing with, with them too, because they will chase it and chase it hard right up just about to your feet. What about the wood? Like they're the, like as far as like driftwood, as far as log jams, is that that seems to be wherever I've seen them. Oh yeah, if you got a back eddy, nice pool with a back eddy, you fish that. You're gonna get them. There is one section up here actually around the Mount Lamore area, and the river takes a hard turn, and there's a back pool and an eddy right there, and we've pulled out brailing rainbow trout and bull trout all out of that same pool numerous times. Hmm. 
That sounds pretty good. I'm going to ask you, Susan, to put your artist hat on and paint us a picture of your perfect day. So this is this is not for a client. This is this is for you. If you could have your dream day on the water, walk us through that. Like, what are you chasing? What type of water are you fishing? What species? Uh, what kind of fly are you using? And paint us a picture. <laughs> well, that's pretty easy because I've already had that dream day once, and I would love to relive it again. Uh, me and my husband were going up north to the Yukon, and we stopped um, at the Cottonwood River. <clears throat> and it was absolutely gorgeous. It was a big, wide river, a lot like we have here um, in this area. And there was some monster bulls out there. <laughs> hold on a second. Yeah. Yeah. So, hold on to that thought. That's good. This is live. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. No, it's all good. My so, husband has a, uh, he's a tow truck driver, so he gets called out all the time. So that's what happened there. <laughs> that's important. Yeah. So, so sorry, your, your dream day again. Sure. Uh, my dream day, I had it once already and I'd love to redo it again. It's when me and my husband went up to the Yukon and we stopped at the Cottonwood River, still here in BC. And it was absolutely magnificent. It was a beautiful fall day. The river was crystal clear. You could see right to the bottom. And we pulled out some of the biggest grayling and bull trout we've ever had. I had a little five-weight uh, rod with me, and I thought for sure I was going to break it. It bent clean over. And, uh, yeah, brought in some absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous uh, bull trout. And I think on that I had, I believe it was bunny leeches mm. that day was on for them. So, yeah, it was just fantastic and tfo rods of course sounds like a pretty good day to me it was you got any crazy stories for us i always like to ask my guests if i mean we've all had some weird things happen on the water and they don't always come to mind right away but if you had to sit and kind of think about it you know say you're having a glass of wine and, and talking around the campfire talk to mm. me any crazy stories on the water I'm sorry. I really don't have much. No. <laughs> Come no. on. Really? Honest, honest no. No, <laughs> our, um, you know, the business is, is kind of, it's hard on the fishing life. Let's put it that way. It doesn't allow me to get out. It is just me running the business. Um, so for me to get out and go fishing, like, it's it's not easy. It's not easy to get out. The business takes up most of my time. I'm lucky to get my housework done, let alone anything else. <laughs> so if I get out three or four times a year, I'm doing fantastic. But this is why I love talking to people in the fly fishing industry. You're not doing this to make millions, usually. It's like you do it because you love it. It's kind of a means to talk fishing, kind of be around people that are fishy. Um, talk about that a little bit. What is what is running this business bring to your life? Oh, it's the business has brought actually a lot, and it's allowed me to be really creative. I've always kind of looked for what can I bring to the market that maybe somebody hasn't yet. Um, what can I provide? How can I better help people? When I started the company, my logo, my motto was quality made affordable. I'm never going to get rich at this business. Never. It's not going to happen. I did this to promote the sport. We're very big on getting youth into the sport because, hey, if they're spending money on 
fishing rods and flies and materials, they're not going to have a whole lot of money to get themselves into trouble with. Because let's face it, I mean, this can be a bit expensive at times. Mm-hmm. So we are very much, we do promote um, a lot with youth. We did actually start a um, a junior pro staff too. We're, we're taking young people and we're mentoring them with one of our senior pro staff. And they learn from them to to uh, better their flies and how to tie better, develop good good um, how do I put it <clears throat> good habits. Mm-hmm. Because once we tie more with no instruction and just off of YouTube and stuff like that, I know for a fact just for myself, I developed some really bad habits, and it was hard to stop. So I would rather get young people and get them taught properly good habits and watch them progress faster than it would take if they didn't have anybody to help. That's but, good stuff. Yeah. So the dubbing actually was, that's my creative outlet. We actually started a, a product called Leech Dubbing, and it took me a year to finally get the recipe right, get the materials right, find the right stuff, uh, find the right ratio. And yeah, we finally come up with what I call Leech Dubbing. And it's a longer dubbing than most. It's an inch and a half. And it's got a little bit of sparkle in it, not much, little shine to it. And we've been having massive success with this. We're shipping this all over the world. And actually, we're going to be distributing it. Um, we have two distributors lined up, one for UK, Europe, and one for the United States. So hopefully... Is this, is this synthetic and natural? Or is it, yes. can you, is it kind of a... You probably don't want to say exactly what it is, otherwise everyone will make it. But um, so it's kind of lifelike and flashy at the same time. Is that where you're going? Yeah, it does have some sparkle to it, not much. I didn't want the sparkle to overtake. The main reason I call it leech dubbing is because the way it moves. I started leech dub because I wanted something to um, that I could put on a hook that really moved and breathed and created a lot of life and excitement on the hook. And I couldn't find anything. So when I started this, um, yeah, it was, I spent a lot of money on stuff that just didn't work uh, as far as materials go. And then finally I found the right materials and I found the right stuff to go with it. So I would start um, getting it wet, seeing how it looked wet, seeing how it would look dry. How does it move? Tying it onto a hook, throwing it in the water and just seeing if the fish were attracted to it, how it, you know, all sorts of good stuff. So it it did take me literally well over a year to get everything right. That is and, an amazing amount of homework to put into one product. Well, I don't believe in doing things half-assed. <laughs> Let's put it that <laughs> way. I'm not going to put my name on something that may or may not work. Either it blows it out of the park or it doesn't. And if, if it you, doesn't, I'm not going to bring it to the market. If you were to take one product out of your shop and say this is the bomb. What what would you say to somebody? Say, you got to try this. Oh, my leech dubbing. I know that sounds, yeah, maybe, I don't want to sound very egotistical or anything like that, but I am so excited about the way that the leech dubbing has taken off, the success that it's had. Um, I honestly, I, I give it away. I probably give more away than I actually sell. You guys will come <laughs> through and I'm like, have you tried this yet? No, here, take it. Uh, and the same thing with my orders. I'm always putting samples of leech dub in the orders too, just so people can try it because it has had such great success on the water. How many different colors does that come in? 
Oh, it's over 30 now. Wow. <laughs> and wow. I'm not done yet. <laughs> Crazy. You know, it's funny because I, I know I'm always looking for the holy grail and fly tying material, if that makes sense. I'm always trying to find, like marabou for me, it's so old school, but it moves in the water. And I'm always trying to duplicate that with other materials. And I've, ne I've never actually really seen it. I really want to check out this leech dubbing because I'm going to check it out. But as far as the movement in the water, just that kind of wavering back and forth, it looks real natural. It's really hard to imitate. It is. Yeah, you're 100% right. And that was one of the reasons that when I started Leached Up, I wanted to make sure it moved. Um, so we're, we're actually really fortunate. We've got some great guys that have ordered it from us, and they've loved it, and they've told friends. Um, everybody from Jerry French to Kate Watson to Trevor Tatterchuk to Phil Rowley, all these guys are, are using it and liking it. So we're actually really fortunate. It's, it's been quite a, a good thing for us. Well, I always, I love looking at the patterns that a lot of your pro staff tires put out there. I see them on social media all the time. If somebody wants to get a hold of you, Susan, as far as um, checking out your amazing online shop, and it sounds like you got some pretty unique materials and products. How do they find you? What's the best place to go looking? Well, just go onto the internet and type in schnookwindoutfitters.com. You'll find me. What about social media as far as Instagram? Are you guys on Instagram and Facebook and all that? Yes. Yes, actually we are. We are definitely on Instagram. We are on Facebook. And then not only just are we on Facebook, but if you watch our Facebook page, uh, we actually post our monthly flies from everybody as well. We have a, a wonderful pro staff. I can't tell you enough about the wonderful people that we have on our pro staff. And not just our pro staff, actually, but we also have ambassadors. Uh, Kate Watson is one. Jerry French is another. Um, and then we're starting a junior pro staff. We have other people that we sponsor. Phil Rowley is one, one person that we work with, and we help sponsor him. So, yeah, you guys can go on there and you can see all their flies that they put on every month, our pro staff. And they, there's recipes on there, too. So if there's something you really like, hey, the recipe's there. You don't have to go by guests and by golly. You can actually tie it. So, yeah, check us out. And I'm usually available on social media as well. And if you don't feel like doing that, shoot me an email or a phone call and, yeah, I'd be glad to talk. I'd like to kind of wrap it up tonight with a philosophical question. If you could change something about fly fishing, is there anything you think we could be doing better or differently than we are? Well, that's a really hard question. That's a heavy one. I know that. I think we still need to be very conscientious about the conservation. Um, we've all seen what's happening with steelhead. That's very concerning. What concerns me also is um, a commercial fishermen uh, not from Canada, you know, parking in waters and, uh, you know, gill netting or netting. And the, the main thing I think is the education, just making sure that we are educated and anybody that we take with us, in particular young people, if they're getting involved, educate them on proper practices to handle the fish. You know, the old keep them wet adage is a wonderful thing to live by. Mm -hmm. uh, the barbless, there's nothing wrong with going barbless. Yeah, I'm, I prefer it. I do too. You know, definitely. Well, and here in BC, it's it's barbless anyways. 
but it's just that much less pressure and less you know trouble for the fish lots of times i wouldn't even get the fish well when i do get out to fish uh there's lots of times that you know you've just about got him to you and you might want to hurry up and take a picture but you can't because he did a flip and there she went because it was on a, a barbless hook but i'm good with that i'm so good with that so i think it's just conservation and education is what i think we need to, to continue to focus on yeah, it's really well put. And, you know, I always think, too, with the barbless thing, wherever that hook ends up, it's going to come out easier. So if it happens to be in your hand or your net or your boat, guess what? <laughs> it, it's it's going to be easier to take out, right? You can't oh, lose. Oh, yes. Oh, I could definitely attest to that because when I first started, oh, my Lord, I was swinging my <laughs> my fly rod like I was still swinging a spin cast and I was whipping that sucker back and forth and yeah there was more than once I ended up with a fly in my back and I was very thankful it was barbless trust me <laughs> <laughs> right on as long as it wasn't one of those ones with the intruder eyes that's pretty heavy coming at you <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Susan thanks so much for coming on the program tonight I, I really appreciate your time and I wish you a, an awesome season on the water. Continued success with Chinook Wind Outfitters. Love what you guys are up to. And uh, let's let's do this again sometime. I appreciate that. Thanks so much for taking the time, and we'll talk at you again. You've been listening to a chat tonight with Susan Smith of Chinook Wind Outfitters. Check them out online. They're an online fly tying, fly fishing shop. they got just about anything you could ask for out of Chetwind, British Columbia. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by theflycrate.com. Thank you for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Your feedback matters. Let us know if there's a person or topic you'd like discussed. Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com. Until next time, tight lines and we'll see you on the water. Mm-hmm.